This is Industry Matters, powered by VGM, a podcast about community, belonging, and connections. VGM is a member service organization uniting large and small, durable and home medical equipment providers across the nation. VGM also serves the respiratory, complex rehab, wound care, women's health mastectomy, home accessibility, and orthotics and prosthetics communities. Welcome to Industry Matters. Today I have with me Rhonda Burmester, and we're going to be talking about billing and reimbursement. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you, Lindy, for having me. Glad to be here. We actually have an extensive list today of stuff to go over. We're going to start with mass adjustments for non-rural areas. In the CARES Act, there was a ruling to allow an increase in the rates for non-rural areas. Can you tell me about this ruling? Sure. And this has actually been a topic most of us in this industry are aware of, especially those that are working with those patients that have non-rural zip codes. So it's what CMS has determined non-rural. What happened back in earlier this spring under the CARES Act, there was an adjustment that was made for the suppliers to get an additional reimbursement. So what they did was a blended rate, um, which most people know is at 75-25 of a blended rate. So there was a little bit of an increase while we were dealing with this pandemic to help those um, suppliers get a little bump in their reimbursement during these times as they're working with patients in non-rural areas. The CARES Act it was set to um, retroactive this adjustment starting March 6th. Suppliers didn't start seeing that increase until about mid-April. It was about April 22nd, 23rd is when the actual reimbursements were coming through on the remittance notices. So what we've been waiting on is that um, the mass adjustment. So that uh, retroactive payment that starts March 6th through about April 22nd. So there's 51, 52 days that those mass adjustments need to occur. And we've been waiting on that for some time now. We keep hearing soon. Um, I think we're getting closer because we've had some council calls with CGS and Noridian recently, and they did say that they're close. They're just um, waiting on one more item, which was a system issue. Um, but once they get that fixed, they will start adjusting those. So what's good about this mass adjustment is the suppliers don't have to do anything. It's going to be automatic. And they're just going to start automatically seeing these payments come in. Um, into their accounts. So if they remember back to 2016, when we had the Cures Act, it's going to be a similar process that they will do these mass adjustments by NPI and um, the suppliers will get these the reimbursement and they'll have to figure out how they're going to post those to accounts. But they should have that down because of what they did before. So I look for something to happen soon. We're, you know, we're almost into September now. And I believe they need to have these done by October or sometime in October. Once they get the ball rolling, it won't take long for this to happen because it's all computerized. So I just wanted to share that with suppliers that they will still get those checks and it's, it is coming. I would expect, they said they said next month is what we heard last, which would be September and we're, September is, is right around the corner. So that's a good thing for suppliers. So it will be coming. Do the patients living in competitive bid areas get an increase in the allowable? They do not. So that's been some confusion for a few suppliers that I've talked to is that the patients that live in those zip codes that are considered rural have been getting an increase pre-pandemic. So they've already had that 50-50 blended rate. That is being extended through the pandemic. So it was initially set to expire 
at the end of 2020 because of the round 2021 competitive bid program being implemented January 1. So those rural patients are, have continued to get those increases or the suppliers have for those patients in rural areas. Um, the non-rural, so those patients with non-rural zip codes, it's, it's all based on that patient zip code. Those are the increase of 75-25 blended rate. Unfortunately, if it's considered a former competitive bid area, so one of those 130 competitive bid areas that they've zoned that, so the bigger cities, the hot spots, they did not see an increase. So that the rates that they're, they've been seeing out there with that single payment amount is what they're getting reimbursed. So that's unfortunate, but that's um, what the CARES Act laid out for the suppliers. Well, let's move on to post-public health emergency. Many waivers and adjustments have been put into place for the pandemic. So what about those pertinent waivers, for example, the medical policies and signatures? So CMS has done a good job for our industry as far as getting these waivers in place. Um, I know sometimes we feel like it should be sooner than what we heard, but but all in all, they really did a good job. When you look at who CMS has to work with across the healthcare industry, you know, there's a lot of pieces to that program, to that agency. So um, they've done a good job implementing waivers and working with suppliers and hearing what we have to say. So there's still some medical policies out there that are under the waiver. So your respiratory products, you know, oxygen CPAP, ventilators, BiPAPs, you know, the, the high frequency chest wall device, nebulizers and other respiratory products, they've been under the non-enforcement waiver, which means that the coverage criteria is not being enforced. What they mean by that is the coverage criteria still exists. You should try to meet that. Those waivers are in place for those patients that cannot meet that at 100%. So they're trying to keep them out of the hospital to keep the capacities down and keep those patients that can stay at home from being admitted. And then for those patients that can't get to their doctor's office because, you know, with this coronavirus, it's put some um, restrictions on that. So if there is a patient that needs an item like oxygen, let's say, and you can't get the testing, that waiver's still out there to utilize that. And there's some rules and regulations around that. But in the end, we need to make sure that we're, we're enforcing those coverage criteria. So I've heard, you know, some rumblings that, there are some suppliers that, you know, that are, are unfortunately telling their referrals, all we need is an order, or they're trying to bypass certain things. And if you're doing that, it's going to cause some issues for this industry, especially the DME industry in the long run. And we don't need that. We need to show that we're doing what we can to abide by policy and that we're trying to make sure that coverage criteria is met and only utilizing the waivers when it's absolutely necessary. So hopefully um, suppliers will get that message and understand that. Um, but this, even the signatures, I wanted to talk about that too with signatures because everybody's a little skeptical about um, signing a proof of delivery, signing an ABN, um, signing any kind of documents. You know, there are ways around it. And I've learned from a lot of our members that they've done things electronically. So they may have one of those electronic pads that the patient signs or they email them. Um, there's just different ways they've worked with it, which has been pretty cool to hear that. If you cannot get a patient to sign a proof of delivery or an ABN or uh, any of the other documents you need signed, 
just write on that form that it's the COVID-19 pandemic. And if you have to do that, you still need to append the CR modifier on the claim. So make sure you're also doing that with the narrative of COVID-19. And I push for that because I've heard that some suppliers are um, not always putting COVID-19 on the claim narrative and you have to. And the reason they ask for that is the CR modifier is used for any time there's a natural disaster. So any of the hurricanes, the fires, the floods, any natural disaster, we're dealing with Hurricane Laura in the Louisiana, Texas area, they will use the CR modifier if they have any claims they need to submit, and they will put Hurricane Laura as a claim narrative. Same thing is, as it applies to the pandemic. You have to let uh, Medicare know that there's a CR modifier, so you're, you're using one of the waivers that are in place, a signature requirement, not following the medical policy, um, and it's because of the COVID-19 environment. That's why they ask for that. So don't put COVID, don't put Corona, don't put C-19. I've heard a lot of a lot of different terms being used. It's COVID-19 is what they're looking for. Just so simply just do that. So let's hope everyone um, is abiding by that. But good question. Great. That's helpful to know that there actually is a specific way to reference it. Because I can only imagine what what's all out there for different ways people are referencing that. What about any updates to any of the waivers? I have heard the audits and prior authorization, but anything else suppliers should be concerned about? Yes, there is actually. So we've all heard that audits are back in play. So it's generally the post-pay audits that we'll hear about. And I know there's been discussion about that already and, and articles, and there's a lot of good information out there about the audits. The prior authorization, as you know, with the PN, the power mobility devices and the group two support services are back where they have their, they, those are required. Um, it, that's was resumed on August 3rd. And the lower limb prostheses those six codes that were supposed to be implemented back in May that got postponed is now going to start on September 1, just in four states. So that's all back in play. There's other things that have happened too with a national supplier clearinghouse and accreditation. So CMS has given both of those contractors or organizations approval to start back up, basically making sure suppliers are abiding by the 30 supplier standards because there were waivers put in place for you know, accreditation was being waived during this time to get supplier numbers moved through quickly. So the, that's no longer um, accreditations back and ready to resume their recertifications and accreditation, whether it's new or existing suppliers. I know not all accreditation surveyors are ready to get out and do surveys because it all depends on the area they're in and what they can do or, or um, are capable of doing but they have been given the guidance to, to resume that. So the key from that is to communicate to your whoever you are accredited with to see where you're at. The communication is key. So have those conversations with them, especially if you were up for reaccreditation during the pandemic and um, it's resumed now, you want to touch base with your accreditation organization. Same thing with a national supplier clearinghouse. If you're a new supplier with a billing number, just know that they're going to be looking to make sure all those 30 standards are met and that they may be out for an on-site visit, which is part of making sure that you are abiding by the guidance of those 30 standards. So um, just know that that is happening. If you're up for a revalidation, so you're an existing supplier, you know that you'll get a letter from 
the clearinghouse if you're due. So you don't have to worry about reaching out to them unless you maybe have had a letter that had came to you during this pandemic or right when the pandemic started. Just communicate with the clearinghouse. Those are keys. Key things is communication. Because I hear some of us that have reached out to me upset, you know, they seem a little scared to reach out to the clearinghouse or accreditation and they're there to help you. So that's what's important to know is that they're there to help you and provide guidance. So you want to communicate with them. If you still are in a hot spot, you know, and let's um, say you can't have your standard hours that you have posted on your window or your door for your business, and you still need to have limited hours, that's okay. Just make sure that you post that, um, the signs up, your patients know how to get a hold of you with the phone number, and you've communicated that to the clearinghouse. All you have to do is let them know what's going on because every area is a little different. It all depends on where you're at, what conditions are going on and how you have to handle your business. So hopefully that helps everyone out there. What will happen when this pandemic is over, Rhonda? Do we know? You know, we don't know. We're all making speculations at this time. And we actually had asked the medical directors when we just had a our quarterly call with them and they're this under the same guidance as we are, I guess if you want to call it guidance, but they are speculating as well. So I know that they are, those the contractors are in communication with CMS to try to figure to figure the game plan out post-pandemic, but we don't know yet. So what suppliers need to do is while we're still under the public health emergency, is monitor those patients that you have had to use the waiver or the CR modifier. Monitor those patients one, because they may not need the equipment as long as you predict. So you may have to pick that up sooner than, than what you predicted. The other thing is if and when they decide this pandemic is over, we'll need to know what to do with those patients. And that's what the unknown is. We don't know if they'll let us grandfather those patients in or if they'll have us requalify them. So that's why it's important to monitor them. I know suppliers have done great things with putting certain messages in on each patient that they can easily pull reports from their billing software. Some have done Excel spreadsheets. Do whatever you need to do um, that works for your company. Just make sure you're monitoring them. Oxygen equipment national coverage determination. It appears that there has been conversation about the oxygen medical policy. What can you share about that? Well, this is actually exciting news for our industry. We just found this out last week is from one of our calls with councils that I sit on with Meridian. The medical director for there had shared with us that the oxygen policy, the national coverage determination, is going to be opened up because they're looking at it for cluster headaches. And that's how it appears in the federal register is about cluster headaches. But this medical director had suggested that, you know, it's hard to get a policy opened up. And this is a time um, now that it's going to be opened up to look at these cluster headaches to submit comments for any other changes that we would see fit for this oxygen policy. So this is actually great news because as we, all those suppliers that deal with oxygen equipment know that that oxygen policy has been in place for quite some time. And I feel, I want to say it's old, but it's not caught up to what current technology is. So we're all going to be taking a look at that in this industry to see what changes we would want on our wish list and submit that in the comments. So this medical director has strongly encouraged us to do that. So I know a lot of the industry stakeholders are looking at it, and I want to get this message out to all the other suppliers because anybody can comment on it. So um, make sure that you're you're doing so, and we we can share the link. You'll see 
more come out from me on social media um, and through our VGM platforms where we, we share news and um, articles and blogs, whatever it may be, that this is so important because the timeline is very short. Comments are going to be due, I think it's 16th or 17th of September. So it's only a few weeks away and we have a holiday in there on top of it. So it'll be a quick turnaround. But what I'm going to do and with some of the other, other work groups that I'm a part of with um, the industry is we're going to be reading through that policy and outlining what our wish list we want it, want it to be. And then we'll be submitting that. So VGM will be submitting one. And I know other industry stakeholders and other work groups are going to be submitting comments. So this is really big for us. One of the things we're hoping to get out of it is at least get that CMS 484 eliminated. As we all know, it's basically a thorn in our side. And so it's time to get rid of it. So that's one of the big wish list items that we're going to ask for. So if you have questions on it, um, obviously you can reach out to me, but this is great news for us. That's awesome. And just a reminder, vgm.com is a source of information for any updates that might be happening or just to find more information out about what's going on with the oxygen equipment. Okay, our next topic is competitive bid. So I know you are involved in quarterly meetings with the Medicare councils. Any updates from the competitive bid contractor? Yes, there is actually. Um, you know, we're hearing in the industry we want to delay and that can still happen. So, I, you know, I don't want to take that away because it can. I don't know. I mean, CMS is still having those conversations. They are listening to us in the industry. So all the suppliers, all the industry stakeholders, they are listening to us. And the concerns we have with this program being rolled out on January 1. So that's still out there. The last update we got is from the competitive bid contractor who comes to our quarterly meetings. And they've been given guidance to move forward with the program. So that's what they're doing. So the last update we had was sharing that the single payment amounts that we've all been waiting on will be released in summer. Now, remember, summer for CMS is July, August, September. So we're almost into September. So we look for that single payment amounts to be released anytime in September. The other thing that we were reminded of is if you are going to grandfather patients in come January 1, or maybe you're not going to grandfather your patients in, either way, that grandfathering letter has to be sent out. The latest date is November 18th because suppliers have to give the patients a 30-day business notice. So the latest that letter can go out is November 18th. So what's that tell us? The contracts we were told will be released in the fall. Fall is October, November, December. So we look for those contracts to be released in October so that you can send that grandfathering letter out in November. Obviously, the competitive bid contractor cannot give dates out on any of that because they're not, they cannot do that. But that's kind of when you look at the, at the timelines, that's what it's hinting towards. So we know the single payment and amounts are summer. So we should see that in September. And then the contracts in the fall. And if that grandfathering letter has to be out no later than November 18th, that means the contract should be sent out to those suppliers in October. So they have time to make those decisions. That will all, and all that information is done through their portal, the connection portal they have on their website. It's how you submitted your bids. That's how the communication is going to happen. So um, be looking for that information, you know, starting in September through the next few months. Will there be changes of the program? There could be. You know, we've heard rumblings about that. We don't have anything official, but there could be. And there still could be a delay. We don't, that's the part we don't know. We just know what was shared with us at the council meetings 
with the single payment amounts and then getting that grandfather letter out. So that's what I wanted to share as far as the competitive bid portion of it. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that update. So we've already covered a lot of information. There's, you know, changes, you know, a lot of just details for you know, providers and suppliers to keep in mind. But what else would you like to share before we wrap up here with our valued members? There is. There's just a few reminders and then a few uh, key points I want to make before we wrap it up because we did throw a lot of information out at everyone, but it's very important information. So one thing I wanted to remind everyone is about the new ABN form. And the only thing that's new about the ABN is they put a, a new expiration date on it. That was initially set to be implemented or enforced by the end of August. They have now decided to delay that. And so it's not going to be implemented until January 1 of 2021. So we still have time to get that changed in our forms library, our billing software, although I recommend you to do that now because time does fly by pretty fast and I wouldn't want you to miss that deadline of January 1. And then you could get a silly denial just because it was the old ABN. So just know you still have time, but try to get that changed in your forms library, in your softwares, anywhere that you have staff using an ABN. So go ahead and get that new one because you can use it now. So get that new one out there. The other thing was a reminder about the mass adjustments. Whoever on your team is doing the posting will see that come through with the mass adjustments for those 51, 52 days back from March 6th through mid-April. So look for that to be coming here anytime. Once that mass adjustment is completed, that's when suppliers can submit um, a reopening for the HICPIC codes that need the KE modifier. And those are generally the mobility products that get that KE modifier. So they're getting additional payment, but you cannot submit the reopening until the MAX or CGS and Iridian give you the authorization to do so. They'll send a notice out to say the mass adjustments are completed and the suppliers can now submit for reopening. So once that happens, you'll be able to do that. So that'll be, you know, just down the road yet, but you'll still get that money. So don't worry, it's still coming. The oxygen national coverage determination, this is our time, you guys. We've got to submit our comments while this policy is open. We know the challenges we've had with this policy. And the only way to make some changes with that is to share our comments and our issue with, you know, within that comment period, but our issues and concerns we have with it so it can be considered. I do know it's a quick turnaround, but it's important that we address it. Otherwise, we don't know when we'll get this opportunity again to have this policy opened up and for them to listen. So this is our opportunity. And the last thing I wanted to mention was a project I'm working on with one of our vendor partners, Repair Authority. They do repairs on equipment, and we had been having conversations about CPAP repair. It's been on our discussion board, as you probably have seen on our VGM member-only portal, where um, CPAP repair have been a challenge for a lot of our members. And it's not just the billing side of it that's a challenge, it's the actual repair side of it. So we're trying to gather all this information from you all, all of your pain points, so we can make this less painful and have some resources for you. So um, keep sharing those with us because we hear you and we want to keep hearing from you. And we've also set a date to do a webinar on October one. So look for that news to come out where you can register for the webinar. And this webinar is not just for your billing team. It's for anybody that's involved in that repair. It can be a clinician, it can be a repair tech, whoever's involved in the repair for the CPAP, you'll want on that webinar. 
so they can hear some of the solutions that we have to offer. So make sure you take advantage of that. That's really about it. You know, there's a lot going on and I just wanted to make sure you all knew what was happening in the world of Rhonda <laughs> and the area that I'm working with. <laughs> Not very, very helpful. And um, we'll be sure to uh, do another episode soon. So that way um, we're catching updates, you know, as they come. Again, don't forget to visit vgm.com. vgm.com backslash events would be where to find webinars. And for members only, make sure that you're logging into the portal because there's so much rich information in there um, that only our members have access to. Thank you, Rhonda, so much for being here today. And I look forward to having you as a guest again sometime soon. Thank you. It was my pleasure.